0: stats booms bus sleepers listen to adam and vincent with fantasy pandemic on monday and thursday evenings via anchor spotify and apple podcasts be sure to follow them on twitter at fantasy pandemic at fantasy cajun and at FF
1: fflittlefinger Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Pandemic Podcast. I am your host, the Fantasy Cajun himself, Adam Bryce, along with my co-host, Mr. FF Littlefinger, Vincent Argray. Uh Tonight, we're going to try to uh, redeem ourselves a little bit. We uh, constructed, or Vincent constructed, a 12-man mock on Sleeper that we conducted last night. It's a 12-team PPR su- uh, regular uh, flex uh, mock draft. Uh, we had... Uh, Everybody showed up. Everybody made some picks. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone who participated in last night's mock draft. We really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, we've got some good uh, analysis tonight and some good breakdown of, of the, at least the first seven rounds. And then we'll go through uh, some of the rest of the rounds and just kind of identify some, some picks that we liked and maybe some picks that we don't don't like. And then at the, end of the dra- at the end of the podcast, I think we'll identify, or I will, I'll at least identify what I thought was the best draft and what I thought was the worst draft. Vincent, I, I enjoyed last night. I thought it was great. And I hope we get to do some more of these over the
0: summer. No, absolutely. And, you know, we can definitely change up the model. Obviously, we can change up some of the people, but uh, I will uh, say what you said. I, I very much appreciate everybody who came out, all friends of the podcast. The board was shared on Twitter. Hopefully, we gain some more interest. And it's nice to get some representation um, as, as opposed to just an algorithm and, you know, where the ADPs are right now. So having real people pick, except for Daniel, you know, thanks. Antonio Brown, you know, we even, you know, auto pick monster over here. But uh, one thing I will say that I have always said, and, you know, one of my uh, uh, not brighter moments was after a draft in my house where I don't necessarily remember after my fourth or fifth round pick and everybody was ragging me and hammering me. But, and we have a rule in my home league that if you miss, you know, if you draft somebody that's already been drafted three times, you get Mr. Irrelevant who's the last person on whatever sheet, either way, Everybody hammered me about my draft because it was so terrible. And like I told them, it's not going to be my team at the end of the year. So even when you draft a team, whether it's awesome or it's shitty, you know, that's the draft is just the start. You know, it's uh, chaos is not the draft. Chaos is free agency. So only the fab is real. And let's dive
1: into it. Definitely. So what we're going to do is I'm going to rattle off uh, the first round real quick and then. Vince and I are going to talk about some of the reaches that we thought and then maybe a couple of values that we thought. Um, starting off, I actually had the number one pick overall. Pretty easy, obviously, Christian McCaffrey. And then it follows like this. Uh, Saquon Barkley at 2. Alvin Kamara at 3. Ezekiel at 4. Michael Thomas at 5. Devontae Adams at 6. Joe Mixon at 7. DeAndre Hopkins 8. Tyreek Hill 9. Julio Jones 10. Dalvin cook 11 and rounding out the end of the first round Derek Henry around a pick 12. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, at first thing I, I see and I look at here, um, to me, and, 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 you know, we're, we're picking at straws when we're talking about reaches here in the first round. But if I had to identify one reach, which I did, I, I thought it was Devonte Adams by James at, at pick six, um, I'm just not sure what that Green Bay offense is going to look like. I feel like Jordan Love being picked in the first round is going to drop a bomb in that locker room. And you just never know what Aaron Rodgers is thinking. So I think Devonta Adams is kind of due for a step back. And I think I would refer to someone maybe like a DeAndre Hopkins, a Tyree kill um, maybe even a Julio. It, it just really depends. But I, I did think that was a little high at one six for Devonta Adams.
0: Well, I'll, I'll disagree with you there. I think, You know, Devontae Adams was going into last year arguably the number one receiver (laughs) on the board. And if we're looking at PPR, you know, I think Michael Thomas is a clear one. And I think it's a crapshoot after that. And honestly, I think he has the highest floor because they didn't improve everything else. And you know Rodgers is going to force him the ball. And in the red zone, he's still the threat. He's the the target. So I didn't – dislike that pick as much because and again I agree with the first round I don't actually have a reach on mine Um, I have the best pick in my opinion so I think everybody kind of you fall into where you want you know I think it was uh you could nitpick here or there you know but realistically all these people are first round talents and I think you know that's where you can get more values in the second but realistically i didn't think there was a bad pick in the first round and i didn't think there was really a good pick in the second round because i it's just i think it's just so top loaded that you really have to go after somebody and really pick out a turn <laughs> from them to not warrant a um, position so i am gonna hammer james on a couple picks so i'll i'll defend his adams one i guess you know if if i really had the nitpick you know my wife went kamara before zeke which uh, forced probably – I know my best pick, which might be yours, but, you know, Dalvin Cook to fall to 11. So, honestly, my worst pick is every pick after Michael Thomas that did not take Dalvin Cook. (laughs) So, to me, there's Michael Thomas above those guys. In in PPR, I can go with the Kamara upside of the catches because that's where he was last year. So, if he can stay healthy, that upside is truly there. But after Michael Thomas, everybody that didn't take Dalvin Cook – I think it's a bad pick.
1: Yeah, I absolutely 100% agree with this. There's no way Dalvin Cook should have fell to 111 to Spoink. And, man, he just – he's got to be – was just sitting pretty when he saw that coming to him. You know, I had that down as my value, and I, I, I 100% agree with that, with that. Dalvin Cook, to me, should have been 1-6 and, and so forth until, you know, obviously it went through to 111. I mean, there was a run on receivers with Hopkins Hill and Julio, but – Dalvin Cook was a fucking beast last year, and running backs, as you'll see when we get into this draft a little bit, running backs kind of fall off a cliff after after a certain round, so getting, you know, to me, a, a top five running back at pick 111, a uh, great start by point. Yeah, I, I mean, and <clears throat> nothing good to
0: him other than just taking what's available, you know, I uh, I, I couldn't go Julio or Hopkins, especially in front of Cook, you know, I could – I, could, I, I do see an argument for Adams or Tyreek Hill if you are, you know, not necessarily zero RB, but you know there is some – it falls off a cliff, but there is still value. But to me, uh, Cook is just, I mean, a uh, signed, sealed, delivered. You know, I, you know I, realistically, everybody that went receiver, that's a different perspective. With Jesse going, Joe Mixon, you know, that's Jesse kind of playing his hand that he's a Joe Mixon guy which that's fine. Get who you want because he was not going to come back, but I, I don't – I'm not – I'm a believer in the Cincinnati office, but I still you know, – I've I've said it time and time again. I haven't owned Joe Mixon, so I I don't have firsthand experience dealing with it and enjoying it or disliking it. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't make that discrepancy. I think Dalvin Cook is the end – or Alvin Kabar or Dalvin Cook are the end of the tier, and then there's a significant drop-off. That's where I would go with those receivers.
1: So, you know, but either way
0: – all these guys are first-round talents, and half of the second round is, you know, arguably a first-round talent as well.
1: Yeah, and we're splitting hairs when I'm, you know, when I'm, you know, picking apart, uh, you know, James on Devontae Adams. I mean, Devontae Adams is still a great receiver. He's still a first-round talent. And it is. You, you you, pick your person. You be happy. You stick your flag there. Um, those of you who are, you know, listening to our podcast right now, um, go ahead and, you know, get on Twitter. We tweeted out the draft board at Fantasy Pandemic. So if you want to follow along while we're going through the podcast, by all means, it it certainly gives you a better idea of what's happening as we're talking about these things. Um, Going into round two, uh, Daniel kicks it off at tight end with Travis Kelsey. Um, Pointing down to Chris Godwin. Uh, Next is Aaron Jones at 2-3. Josh Jacobs at 2-4. Lamar Jackson at 2-5. Cooper Cup at 2-6. Nick Chubb at 2-7. Austin Eckler at 2-8. George Kittle at two nine, Patrick Mahomes at two ten, Mike Evans at two eleven, and rounding out the top, uh, the end of the second round, Miles Sanders at two twelve.
0: Right. So, and I here I didn't have as far as a best pick. I did not really have one. I, I didn't see anything that really separated. If I had to pick one, it's off of my bias. And uh, Emily snagged Eckler right before my pick friend of the podcast. Emily. Who you know knew my love of him and just snaked me on purpose. So and then Jesse also friend of the podcast takes Cooper Cup. So my guys aren't falling to me. Um, so at least for my mentality, that's where I pivoted and I thought Kittle was a better separation of the type of tier that I was looking at, and I felt really good about where it fell to me. But I really think people fell where they went. Um, you know, I don't think that there was an incredible value. It's obviously easier to say anything in the second half of a round you're getting a better value because you got that guy there. So, um, you know, if I really had to nitpick something, I think probably Godwin and Evans are probably the best. So, obviously, I would lean with Evans. You know, my brother took him at the 211 just because he's the other guy. Now, I think Godwin may have much higher upside in PPR, but Evans is going to be a solid receiver, and he got him, you know, nine picks later than Spoint got him. But um, that's a good pick. I mean, people are going to take Godwin ahead of Hopkins and ahead of Julio probably – in a a lot of leagues so you know getting people that just fell to him right there is a great start from him did
1: you have something that you particularly really liked out of this other than your pick um honestly I I love obviously I love the Chris Gowen pick and you know I was hoping Mike Evans I was eyeballing Mike Evans as he was coming down and I was hoping and praying he was going to drop to me because I was ready to take him but unfortunately your brother took him one pick ahead of me um, you know nothing of value really stands out to me. I did have a few reaches in this in this round. round. Uh the one that I really feel that I'm going to point out uh, to me was Aaron Jones at, at the two or three. Um, Aaron Jones is already compete with Jamal Williams. They go ahead and draft AJ Dillon, who is like a mini Leonard, Leonard Fournette. He's 6'1", 248. He was a beast at Boston College, and now he comes in this backfield. You know, you already have the Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers situation with Jordan Love. You never know what Lafleur is thinking right now. He's thinking, oh, let's go get a, why don't we go get a fourth running back, and we could have just a, a four headed monster, and we can just drive fantasy owners fucking crazy. And to me, I think Aaron Jones is, is not in a great situation to really warrant uh this pick at this early when i see some of the other guys falling off the board behind him josh jacobs austin eckler miles sanders melvin gordon Kenyon drake i mean there are other names to me that i would take above aaron jones right now
0: oh without a doubt i mean even nick chubb who you know is going to split and there's a lot of mouth to feed mouths to feed i mean i feel better about chubbs i mean i guess chubbs and jones could be similar but it just seems like just the feeling around Chubb is just better. Um, We talked about it pre-draft that, you know, LaFleur was talking about how he wanted a third running back in the system. And it's just – it's going to water it down. Aaron Jones is really good when he does not have those other pieces, including Devontae Adams, you know. That was his huge upside was when Adams went out, he really exploded. So Williams is healthy. Dylan's coming in healthy and young. You know, Adams is healthy they don't want to throw the ball as much. You know, it's, it's, I, I I had him down as my reach and my only other reach that I really had in here was Lamar Jackson only because of the first, first quarterback off the board. You know, I had Lamar Jackson last year in the home league that I won with most of these guys and ladies that were in this draft. And, you know, you got, I got Lamar Jackson, you know, in the teens or, you know, the double digit rounds. And to me, that's where you want to find that guy. There's a quarterback, you know, one of my values later as a quarterback that was came and, you know, realistically, you know, James might've had the best one with taking Josh Allen in the 10th. And that's the one you want to find those guys that explode because you're getting equity (laughs) everywhere else, you know, but I know big shot has a hard one for Lamar Jackson and he may pay off, but you know, even the Kelsey and Lamar Jackson, I don't think either may be a reach, but I think it only go, you know, you always want the other guy. Like I'm a tier guy. I've said it before. I talk about the San Francisco backfield. I talk to anybody that's splitting like that. You know, I feel better about my pick of Kittle, my wife's pick of Mahomes, back-to-back, you know, at the 209, 210, because at least they were the second ones off. Now, I know it's the same round, but we're also getting a chance to get a player coming back around quicker. So, you know, anytime you go quarterback that early, I would slightly consider it a reach. But they put up points, and if they can repeat – but Mahomes didn't repeat, you know, I don't expect, you obviously don't expect Lamar Jackson. you're not nearly as high on him as I am, but, you know, we think he's going to rank there, but probably fall back down to the pack some, so I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but ultimately, I don't think they're in the second round, Aaron Jones is the only one I'd be like, that to me is a bad pick, everything else is, you know, is, is just bored.
1: Yeah, and look, I had Lamar Jackson as my other reach as well for just every reason you just stated right there. Um, So I'm not going to get into that, but I do agree with that. I think that was early. Uh, I did have one other reach, and I, I did think Cooper Cup was a little early. For my for my taste, Uh, seeing I mean that would put him you know he's the uh, seventh wide receiver off the board. I'm not as bullish on Cooper Cup, but I know as you are. But I feel like I I would take Mike Evans uh, and Juju smith suster and maybe even Kenna Galladay over Cooper Cup at this point.
0: Yeah, I still have to redo my rankings. I have you know Cup at eleven, so I love Cooper Cup. I don't think I would take him. You know, I'm not saying. I would guarantee, like, if he came to me, maybe I would have, maybe I wouldn't have, but right. that's where I have him. I don't have him there in my rankings. I have Juju, you know, significantly higher. Ryan so coming back around on the third round and getting wow. feel about it. But I definitely think you have an argument for Kenny G, Thielen, DJ Moore, you know, Mike Evans, all those people. But I do think that they all, they all fall in that tier, and it looks worse for Jesse because he had the draft – where he drafted, it makes it – you have to go get somebody in that tier, and you pick the guy you want. So – I support the concept of it, but I, you know, I still have him on the bottom end of that tier. But if that's your guy, you know, I'm okay with that because I do have a much higher outlook for Cooper Cup. And kind of the way Jesse ends up building his team with one rod receiver and then th- three running backs in his first four picks, Cooper Cup, you may not be high on him, but I, you're going to agree that his floor is significant. So if you're going to have one rod receiver in three wide receiver sets, you know, I've owned Mike Evans and I've owned Cooper Cup. Mike Evans will ghost you. And if that's your first running back off, you know, if that's your first receiver, which, you know, my brother did, him and Jesse have the same makeup where they have three running backs, one wide receiver. Jesse is going to get more consecutive points out of Cooper Cup than my brother's probably going to get out of Mike Evans. So I do think there is an argument depending on how your draft shakes out. So I think it worked out better for Jesse than it did for my brother. Yeah,
1: and look, I'm not down on Cooper Cup by any means. I've got him at wide receiver 13. You so hate him to me. That's you hate not... him. <laughs> oh man, hey, hold yeah. on a second. I drafted Cooper Cup in the second round of my league draft last year. So if anything, I'm actually a Cooper Cup lover. Also owned him the year before. But regardless, I'm not. I'm not down on Cooper Cup. Absolutely, I just thought it was a little early. So um, going on to the third round, uh, I kicked it off again with Clyde Edwards-Elair. Uh, At Uh, 3-1, 3-2 we had Melvin Gordon, 3-3 at Amari Cooper, 3-4 we had Juju Smith-Schuster, which I thought was a damn good steal. Uh, Chris Carson at 3-5, Leonard Fournette at 3-6, Kenyon Drake at 3-7. You know, I've kind of hated on Jesse a little bit, but I love the fucking Kenyon Drake pick here at 3-7. 3-8 Le'Veon Bell, 3-9 Kennedy Galladay. 310 Adam Three uh, Thielen, three eleven DJ Moore, and 312 was Antonio Brown, but we were told in the chat it was supposed to be AJ Brown. Someone's just really not paying attention there. Yeah, but
0: I hammered Daniel pretty good before and after for it. So we've uh you know, that's obviously, you know, it know your software, know your app. A lot of people, I got a lot of complaints. I was sitting next to my wife who complained about it regularly. And you know, I know I had a couple messages from a couple of the other guys. How do you change the rankings, this and that? I haven't dived into sleeper. It is not uh, the most complete as far as drafting right right now because they don't necessarily use rankings as much as they use the people the users. So it's something that it, closer to draft time I find it much more beneficial. But it gives us a nice pretty board and it's very easy to work in the other aspects other than the actual charting of it. So you got to go do a little bit of legwork. I actually bumped it up to two minutes a pick so that because I kind of expected people to have trouble finding their guys. So you know so this round. You know, as to me, I thought Spoint getting DJ Moore again, just falling all the way down to the three eleven. Um, I thought it was a great pick. I don't think it was anybody really passed because right now my rankings, I do have Cooper and Juju and I think Galladay and Thielen, I think I have them all higher. I'm checking right now. I think I have them all higher, which I have DJ Moore one spot behind Kenny Galladay. So again, you're the last one in the round and you get that guy, you know, to me that's a good pick. Um, and it may be beneficial to just kind of talk about just mindset of what we're looking at, but, you know, so I went Zeke as far as our picks, I went Zeke and then Kittle came back around. I kind of talked about that tier pivot and then I was ecstatic, and I, I had to dig deep and sleeper because when we did our mock the other day that I, yeah. I knew I had to go find him. So, you know, some of these picks is going to bite me later. I kind of played the draft software, hoping some people fall back down to me, but I wanted to go get Juju there right now. I feel great about my team as far as Zeke and Kittle and Juju. Um, You know, again, I think DJ is probably the best value, but he's the last one kind of on a tier and able to get him there at the 211 rate. And I thought you had a pretty bold strategy, you know, going three running backs when you're going to have to wait 22 picks till you get to go again.
1: So, yeah, let me get to that, get to what I was telling uh, you know, that strategy. That's not something I ever implore. You know, as I said on the last podcast, I'm not someone who likes to go running back, running back. So for me to go running back, running back, running back, it was really just the way it fell to me. And to me, it was, it's kind of interesting because I felt like I made it work and, you know, we'll go, go through that here in the rest of the draft, but I, I really love my first three picks of Christian McCaffrey, Miles Sanders and Clyde edwards helaire I mean, to me, Uh, Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is is a stud. I think Miles Sanders, you know, has that upside to be a running back, you know, top 10 running back. And I think Edwards-Elair is in a great spot. Um, So, you know, we'll kind of see, you know, where that shakes, especially, you know, where my wide receivers end up at. But, you know, I loved your pick of of Juju Smith-Schuster at 3-4. That was another person I was debating when I was selecting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire there. Uh, I really liked that pick a lot. Um, But, you know, as I said uh, earlier, I think to me the pick of the round here was was Kenyon Drake at 3-7. I've got Kenyon Drake as my tenth rated running back right now. And Jesse gets him as his seventeenth running back off the board. Uh to me that's that's drafting value. That's drafting someone who's, you know, in a pretty high upside offense, you know, who's gonna score points with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins now. Uh, as long as Kenyon Drake can stay healthy, I think he's going to return mega value on that, you know, picking the 17th running back off the board, especially where he gets him around some of these other running backs like Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, you know, who Jacksonville's trying to get rid of. And then Le'Veon Bell, I mean, who knows what Adam Gaze is going to do with Le'Veon Bell. I just think Kenyon Drake was, was a great pick there. I um, also loved uh, the DJ Moore pick, obviously, at 311. Um, you know, Spoink's just kind of. Uh, just kind of sitting back and and chilling in this draft because he's just watching the value come back to him and, and he, he took it when it was there. So, I mean, props on him. Uh, I really didn't have any reaches this round. I I thought everyone kind of drafted in in where they should be and where these players kind of went and fell. So um, props to the, to the drafters in round three. I thought everyone did a good job. I, uh,
0: you know, I, I definitely, I think Melvin Gordon that early, you know, maybe, a little bit of a reach by my brother you know as the second one because again I'm higher on Drake and fournette at this point because right now he's still there you know I don't feel like if we had to draft right now I don't know if I'd feel good about drafting fournette because it does seem like there's so much unknown um you know so I thought Melvin Gordon may be a little early but I, I think the Denver offense has a chance to score points and I do think he's gonna be the one or the one two punch in Denver um Chris Carson I probably Even I go Fournette over Carson. Carson doesn't have a whole lot of competition, but he's not really a PPR guy, even though he is a safe floor guy. So, you know, I definitely think the catches you miss out on Carson, Emily definitely made up with by getting Michael Thomas and Eckler. And then she goes receiver receiver after that. So, you know, it's it's good value. You know, uh, Le'Veon, you know, uh, Big Shot needed a running back when it came to him. And at that point, what he was looking at was, you know, what do you think Gurley's load is going to be? And a lot of guys that are probably going to split time or tie Gurley, David Johnson. And, you know, okay. Le'Veon is not injury prone. Those two guys are much more at this point in their career. So you need a volume back just, you know, even if it's your RB1, you know, you have an RB2, high RB2 guy that's going to get the volume. So at least every week, you know, again, it's about building that team. So you hope Lamar Jackson is going to be your boom play. He's going to make up for the points that you're going to – you missed out on a running back, but you want a guy, you know. I thought, you know, maybe a big shot would have come back around when he comes – he goes receiver after that. Maybe if he had gone like another David Johnson, just two high-volume guys, they're not going to wow you. But, you know, I thought you could have maybe paired them a little different. But, again, you know, there's nothing, you know, other than Antonio Brown, which is an off pick. You know, I can – you can make an argument for any of these guys.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's why I said I I didn't have any reaches for for round three, so bravo. Um, Looking on to round four, uh, we kick it off with Daniel and uh, takes James Connor at 4-1, followed by Alan Robinson at 4-2, Keenan Allen at 4-3, Devin Singletary at 4-4, Cortland Sutton at 4-5, Mark Ingram at 4-6, Tyler Lockett at 4-7, Calvin Ridley at 4-8, Todd Gurley at 4-9, David Johnson at 4-10. Marlon Mack at four eleven, and rounding out the top, of the end of the fourth round, Steph Diggs. Um, you know, diving right into this, uh, the first thing I saw to me was the great value that you got in Todd Gurley, Vincent. I, I, I was actually eyeballing him as he was coming down, even though I had three running backs. But to me, I think Atlanta was with him signing Gurley to a one year deal, and you know he's healthy now. I think Atlanta is prepared to feed him the football as much as possible, as much as he can handle in this one year. And maybe they get, you know, a healthy Todd Gurley for one year, and then Todd Gurley is done. But if you get a healthy Todd Gurley for one year in a a high-flying Atlanta offense, you know, with with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and, you know, Matt Ryan – and that rebuilt offensive line, you know, Todd Gurley could easily have a top 12 season. I've got him rated a top 12. So to me, to get him at four, nine is a great pick. Um, the one reach I, to me that I really saw out, uh, in this, in this round, and you probably agree with me and that's your brother at four eleven taking Marlon Mack. I, I'm really not sure where that one was coming from because, uh, with, uh, you know, them drafting Jonathan Taylor, uh, to me, Marlon Mack automatically slides down, um, Marlon Mack was the 24th back off the board in this draft. I've got him ranked at 42. So that kind of shows you where I'm at on Marlon Mack and what I think about Jonathan Taylor. Uh, so to me, that was kind of the reach of the round. But uh, other than that, I thought I saw some good picks and Spoink again gets Allen Robinson at four two. you know, now he's starting out with Dalvin Cook, Chris Gowan, DJ Moore, and Allen Robinson. That's a disgusting.
0: Star. Yeah. It's uh it's not pretty for sure. I'm I, I'm down on him just like you are. You know, I don't. There's not the upside play, and similar to how I just described, you know, Le'Veon and David Johnson. There's not the volume play either. You know, James Conner, you know, even Big Shot. The next round goes David Montgomery, which there at least isn't another show in town. You know, I'm not a naggy guy, and they misused David Montgomery last year. But you you're not splitting. You're splitting with Cohen, but that's not you know kind of comparable different situation where Mark uh, Mac does not have that upside. Even if Jonathan Taylor does not work out or gets hurt, you know, they don't use him as, as a, that three down back for that volume guy. And I, it makes it a worse pick when you had Saquon and Melvin Gordon, like put a digs or a chart there. And then he comes back around with decaf that team just looks better. So, you know, I, I definitely, i I completely agree. That was my, um, my whiff um for that round i felt really good with the value like you said i got with gurley uh, i and i strategically kind of went on we kind of we were joking before the show about going back and forth on twitter with a couple guys but you know cuz the last year i end up with all the old people and this one i end up with an old person but i do stack him later with rookie running back so if they don't even get a full year let's say they, let's say they just feed gurley early and often and he only makes it six or seven weeks. Well, hopefully that's time for my one of my two rookies to hit, and I'm still okay. And I also made sure I handcuffed Zeke with Pollard, who is probably one of the top three handcuffed backs that I think should be handcuffed in the league because I think Pollard could step in and just get very close to that same workload. So it definitely was a strategy there. I felt good about it. Um You know, uh, the uh, the only one I don't – I don't even know if I don't even not like it, but I thought Sutton – you know, maybe a little early, but you know, if he's going to be the alpha that he's going to be the guy, I just, I think the Denver offense can be very good. I just don't know exactly where it's all going to go. There's just so much new and you don't know how everything's going to shift. Are they going to go to more running to protect even with these options? You know, I, it's kind of the unknown of Denver. It just makes me uncomfortable. So, but ultimately, you know, I thought that it was a very, you know, as again, it was kind of par for the course, for a lot of these guys, you know, it's, you know, you're still, you're going to reach for who you want. Um, I did think that, you know, um, right behind me, Crystal taking David Johnson. I thought he was the last of that kind of tier of running back, you know, until you get to the rookies and the real time sharers. I thought that was a really good value because that was the last one, the opportunity. And to me, there's a significant difference between David Johnson and Marlon Mack, because there's nothing in town to compete with David Johnson, whether he has, David Johnson, old or not, you know he's in that Le'Veon situation where he's getting the three down work with a high profile quarterback that I still think is going to be able to score some points with the with what is left of their receiving core. And you know I think that that was a good value there to pair with Kamara and now you know be able to you know maneuver. So you know a lot of good things. I thought you were very uh, beneficial to have Diggs fall there. I think that was a good value. And then when you went around, backed it up back to back. You know, I think you're building a nice squad, identifying where you're at and not just taking some luxury picks. So ultimately right now, I think all the teams are shaping out. I mean, when you look at the board, there's a lot of splatter. There's a lot of, you know, different coloration and everybody's falling and building a proper team, which is nice because sometimes the mocks you lose that uh, with, you know, computers, you lose that perspective. So people are looking at what they're doing and it's really showing, you know, it's you're nitpicking and you're kind of seeing, where you feel about people versus other guys. You know, girly falling to me, like you and I think that's a fall. Some people think it's a reach. So it's all about perspective.
1: Yeah, and you know, totally I think this is you know totally better than doing you know a regular mock. To me, this was as good as doing a live draft last night. I mean we had you know every every user was here actively drafting. So you had people actively doing this and this went for you know a solid thirteen, fourteen rounds. So I thought it was, you know, it was a great experience, you know, for everyone, you know, seeing different strategies play out. And you know, we kind of see that, you know, when I went three running backs and three receivers, you know, one through six. You know, people taking some uh, quarterbacks early, people taking, you know, some heavy on the running back. So we got to see all kind of strategies play out. Um, I do agree with your with your wife taking uh, David Johnson. I, I thought that was a good pick. And I do kind of think what you said about the, the drop off after, you know, David Johnson. It's totally true because we, we saw it after that. Because starting in the starting at four twelve was a kind of a mini receiver run where there was a streak of eight straight eight straight receivers starting at uh, Stephon Diggs at four twelve, then we went to five one and I took DJ Shark along with DK Metcalf at five two, Debo Samuel at five three, Robert Woods at five four, AJ Brown at five five, T Y Hilton at five six, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. falls at five seven. Then we started getting some more running backs with David Montgomery at 5'8", Zach Ertz at 5'9", On at 5'10", DeAndre Swift at 5'11", and rounding out at the end of the fifth round was Deshaun Watson. So you kind of see, you know, the the talent at receiver kind of showing up here in the fifth round with a nice huge run at receiver. So, uh, you know, then you kind of had some uh, some regular running backs sprinkled in there and rounding out with, with Deshaun Right,
0: and Watson. I think receiver goes in this range and tier really m- – hit or miss well probably through the eighth round you know partial way through the eighth round you're kind of in startable receivers that you feel good about starting and it's you know when you look at the board you know you, it's one of those things if, if, if you can look at your queue and kind of you know i was kind of all over the place doing a few things so one thing i didn't recognize till you started talking about the receiver run but it was to be expected and you know the it happened that I went running back, then my wife, and then my brother all went running back, running back, running back. But when you look all the way up to the 1-7, it's all about kind of, again, how everybody's positioned it. Everybody has at least two running backs by the end of the fourth round. But one, two, three of them all have three running backs. So you knew the receiver run was about to come, and you could see on the back end of the draft, those guys went receiver first because everything kind of plays off of its off of itself. So if you can kind of – see how that board's going to go, you can kind of get on the front end of those runs. And if you did not know a receiver run was coming in the fifth round, you weren't paying attention myself included. So it's very clear to see why you're, you know, if you're looking at it and you're trying to identify where people are going to go. Um, I did think you said, you know, OBJ falling to five, seven. I thought that was a great value for Jesse. Um, you know, I do think it's going to be a run centric offense, but I think it's going to be a successful run centric offense in Cleveland. And I don't know how healthy Jarvis is. You know, one of my reaches next round is going to be Jarvis. And because he is banged up, is he going to be ready for the beginning of the season? OBJ says he's healthy as long as he avoids the suspension for wherever that party was and the rumors going around around that. He is going to be the only guy in town along with those two tight ends. And we saw both Diggs and Thielen succeed and score fantasy points in this offense previously. So, and I think OBJ is a better receiver than both of them. So he played hurt all last year. They say he's hundred percent and I think he's out to prove something. Cleveland's already talked about wanting to move on from him. So he's almost in a play it situation. And I, you know, you could argue that OBJ is better than every receiver taking him in front of him. You know, I would rather have my pick at Robert Woods. I would probably, you know, have, if I had to flip a coin, I maybe would go OBJ over Chark. It's getting close, but you know, Chark's a younger, healthier guy, you know, but you could make a, a case for if you were to take an OBJ at the start of the round, I don't think anybody would have blinked an eye. So I think that's a great value there. Um, and, you know, as far as reaches go, um, you know, pickle Rick, Chris taking carry on to me, it's kind of the Marlon Mack situation. Like he is not going to be the guy, but at least he got him like almost a full round later than Mack, but immediately Deandre Swift goes right behind him. So, I'm going to side with DeAndre Swift because, one, they put the draft capital on him, and he's the other guy drafted later. So, you know, you're getting a better pick there. Again, that, you know, that pick's not going to wow anything on Spoinks compared to some of his other picks. But, again, it's just taking what falls to him. But I thought carry on probably, you know, I, I guess Chris needed a running back, but you paired carry on with Aaron Jones. You know, that's not sexy and doesn't make you feel good.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree with that, and it kind of it kind of shows maybe who hasn't really looked at fantasy a whole lot starting off so far. You know, we're in the middle of May, so maybe some of these guys have not looked at fantasy a whole lot, and I think some of that kind of showed. Um, you know, I, I kind of I agree with the carry on Johnson. I, I definitely you know OBJ was I thought Jesse got a, a great receiver with OBJ in the middle of the fifth round. Uh, for every you know argument you just made. <clears throat> the one, the one, uh, you know, reached to me. I thought was Deshaun Watson at five twelve. You know, the third quarterback going off the board. And to me, I think he is due for a setback this year. You know, his his buddy DeAndre Hopkins, who he's been throwing footballs to since he's been at Clemson, is now gone in Arizona. In comes Brandon Cooks. You signed Randall Cobb. So you know, you're talking about different receivers, new receivers coming into this offense you know, Randall Cobb, who's, you know, on the age of 30, I believe. And then Brandon Cooks, who's, you know, had five concussions in like three or four year span. So it, it, to me, I think Deshaun Watson is due for a setback this year. I would have certainly taken, you know, someone like Kyler Murley, Dak Prescott, or even maybe Russell Wilson over a Deshaun Watson there uh, at 512. I just thought that was a little.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you're the first,
1: again, I'm, I'm, I kind of beating a dead horse,
0: but when you're the first guy to draft at the top of that tier, you know you're not going to feel good about it if you know you think the two, three, four guys below them are comparable. And you know I don't have Watson rated there. I you know I have Dak as my clear cut number three, and he was the fifth quarterback off the board, which you know I'll talk about when we start the next round. So, you know again, fundamentally, I think drafting quarterback early is a bad idea. And when you bat, uh, draft one with so many questions, now if Hopkins is there, I think it's a great pick, but he's not, and you don't know, and you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what that locker room is going to be like. There's been a whole lot of freaking. Poison being spit out from every side, from the players to the management to coaches. So maybe that's a unifying thing. Maybe they turn into the bad news bears type of situation. But I don't, you know, I no that pick doesn't even get talked about if it's Kyler or Dak. But because it's the
1: Sean, you're you know,
0: that's it's it's just it's very reachish.
1: Yeah. And and I just thought that's what I definitely thought it was. So uh and you know you'll see, you know, as the quarterbacks you know, start falling off the board here coming up, you know, we'll go ahead and start round six and starting out at six one was Michael Gallup. Uh Mark Andrews went at six two, Kyler Murray uh, goes at six three to Chris Pickle Rick, uh Jonathan Taylor to six four, Tyler Boyd six five, Terry McLaurin six six, A.J. Green six seven, uh Emily, you know, friend of the show, Dak Prescott at six eight, which I thought was a great pick. Uh you follow behind with uh Keyshawn Vaughn at six nine. Uh, I thought your wife made a hell of a pick with Darren Waller at six ten, uh Jarvis Landry at six eleven, and then I rounded out with uh Devontae Parker at six twelve. Uh, immediately some of the things that jump off to me. Spoint junior to me landing uh Mark Andrews at six two. I have Mark Andrews in my third rated tight end. He gets him in the sixth round. I mean, again, Spoink clearly is, to me, almost taking best player available. He's just letting the talent and the draft come to him. And to me, this is a great strategy to use. You know, just kind of sit there and, you know, let the draft come to you. And that's exactly what Spoink Jr. did here. I mean, he lands, you know, Mark Andrews at 6'2". Uh, you know, then, you know, Chris follows up Kyler Murray at 6'3", which I think is a really good pick at this time. Kyler Murray is uh, my second-rated quarterback on the board right now and I have Dak Prescott right behind him and you're really splitting hairs between Kyler and Dak, in my opinion, uh, I can make arguments for either one being rated number two right now. And I have no personal preference uh, between either of them. So you want to take Dak before Kyler or Kyler before Dak, by all means, they're both going to be great options this year. So, you know, good value there for me. Um, you know, I love Emily's pick of Dak Prescott. Again, you know, he's got Ceedee Lamb now with Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. And then he's got Zeke there with that offensive line. And, you know this this offense is prepared to score. You know thirty plus points a game. And then lastly, you know I loved your wife's pick of Darren Waller. I was hoping Darren Waller was going to fall to me at six twelve, but your wife sniped him in front of me. Bravo to her, great pick. You know, your wife's you know team's kind of shaping up pretty good right now. As I'm sitting here looking at it. Alvin Kamara, Patrick Mahomes, Amari Cooper, David Johnson, Debo Samuel, and Darren Waller. That's a pretty solid. Right, six and I'm picks.
0: I'm not a Debo guy, but you know she, you know she was kind of talking while she was picking kind of what I thought. And, you know, I don't want to tell her just my ranking, so I kind of give her my opinions about all the guys. But, you know, you have, you know, a very safe running backs, a high in the highest probably in quarterback, you know, and now you back it up with a very sturdy running back. And maybe you have Cooper and Debo, and those are two boom-bust receivers. So I don't know if I love pairing them together, and then she goes on further to pair with John Brown. But if you have to start those three, you realistically, any given week, you just need one of them to hit and the other two just to be okay because everybody else is going to be able to bring points. So yeah, she definitely uh, she does a good job of especially when she is not as familiar, where she doesn't know exactly who she wants to target. She does a good job of keeping a balanced roster, which really, you know it's one of those things like you, you, if you go back just to like straight fundamentals. If you just stay balanced throughout the entire draft and you do not go heavy to where you – then you have to reach at other positions, you know, Spoink's letting it fall to him and he ends up – because of where people fall, he gets to stay balanced. You know, I know Crystal specifically targets staying balanced. So, if she goes – you know, she looks at her roster and she knows if she's getting heavy on running backs, she'll kind of gradually pivot as opposed to yours where you went three and three, which it can work for you as well. But, you know, I it, it definitely makes you feel good where you have like a, a one and a one, two running backs, and a two and a two – because you know you have the whole team kind of stretched out, and if something hits, then that's even better. Um I thought Dak was the best value. You know, he's my third-rated quarterback, and I don't think it's close. You know, so, you know, he's either on a tier of his own or he's flirting, I think, this year with the other two, who went in the second round, and Emily got him, at you know, in the sixth. So, you know, I thought that was great. I thought both tight ends I, – I really think, you know, I, I don't – I'm not going to nitpick the Earth pick because I he – could have I think he had he may have one more year, maybe two more years of the level he's been at, but this may be it for him, and maybe this is the decline, which makes me a little nervous so but I do think the tight ends really fell where they should, both you know the, the high end guys going to the second rounds and then these guys falling right here where it starts getting maybe a little iffy you know where you either have to roll the dice at running back or you know receiver and when you stay balanced like spoink and crystal, then you're able to take that pick here. You know, Spork has Cook and Swift, which if he feels comfortable enough about not to necessarily need to back up, but I think he does a good job later doing that. But now you put him with Andrews and, you know, Crystal having Kamara, David Johnson, you feel comfortable going with Waller there because you have those set running backs and we know receiver gets deep. So you get that luxury there. You know, I probably got bailed out because I got Gurley. Honestly, the only pick that I thought was bad was Jarvis. And if Jarvis was healthy, I wouldn't be as down on it. So. In May, if you assume he's going to be ready, it's probably a fine pick. But other than that, I uh, you know you could argue, argue A.J. Green, but I'm an A.J. Green guy. And until I hear otherwise, I'm going to assume these guys are going to be – that he's going to be healthy and ready because he should be healthy. Jarvis, on the other hand, may not be. So that does make me nervous. And I will say I was playing the app against myself a little bit. So when I went Keyshawn Vaughn, who I did not think would come back to me, I – Devontae Parker was way down the rankings so you know because you look at it all the time you went and fucked me and went way down to get my guy (laughs) because I thought Devontae Parker would come back around to me which he was easily the best player on the board but I tried to play the software and it bit me in the ass
1: yeah well when you sit here and do a podcast and spend you know Uh, We've, we're, we're now probably gotten at least 16 hours of podcast time. in. we tend to know what each other's thinking and where about each other, each players are going. So uh, it it wasn't someone who I I thought I was going to get to there. Um, I honestly, I would not have drafted Keyshawn Vaughn had he got to him. Now would he have gone potentially? Yeah, he he could have definitely been drafted, but I had no intention of of drafting Keyshawn Vaughn. But, Moving into the seventh round, uh, we start off with Russell Wilson, uh, Aaron Rodgers at seven two, Darius Geis at seven three, Cam Akers at seven four, Raheem Mostert at seven five, Philip Lindsay at seven six, J.K. Dobbins at seven seven, Kareem Hunt at seven eight, and then we round it out with four wide receivers, seven nine, Hollywood Brown, seven ten, Will Fuller, seven eleven, Julian Edelman, seven twelve, Christian Kirk. Um immediately what really kind of to me jumps off the board. Um I thought uh Big Shot had some pretty good value here with Kareem Hunt. I also thought Emily had some pretty good value with Raheem Mostert because uh I think I do think Raheem Mostert uh, is the running back to own right now in San Francisco as is today. But Um, Will that be the answer at week eight? We really don't know. But I think for the first six to seven weeks, I think he could be that running back and he could produce uh, some RB2 numbers. I definitely like Kareem Hunt uh, with Big Shot at seven, eight. You know, when he came back, he was immediately involved in that offense in Cleveland. And I see no reason for him not to be involved in that offense again. So uh, bravo to him. Um, I did think there was a reach in this round. I thought J.K. Dobbins at 7-7 was a little early, and I'll tell you why. I don't think J.K. Dobbins is going to return uh, an RB3 value this year just simply because Mark Ingram is there, uh, Gus Edwards is there, Justice is still there. I know they took him in the second round with the intention of him taking over from Mark Ingram, but I didn't see Mark Ingram slow down last year. Uh, You know, with all those carries between Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram and even the carries that Gus Edwards gets – you know, where is J.K. Dobbins going to fit in, you know, run the ball? They, you can only run the ball so much. So, to me, the J.K. Dobbins pick was, was a little, uh, little risqué. And I, I think I, I would have taken someone like Kareem up. Well, for me,
0: out. the easy reach was Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I think we've talked about the Green Bay offense and what we expect and what Rodgers, you know, did. You know, yeah. he's not going to hurt you, but he's not going to win you anything. And to me, you know, this whole round, every pick was a better value for your team. Than there, so that was my only reach. I thought a, uh, I, I thought a really good value was Julian Edelman. You know, again, spoiling to sit back, taking what comes to him, um, because I know we have a difference of opinion as far as you know what that floor and upside is going to look like. But I just think Edelman has another year of just being absolutely solid and playing ugly football and scoring you, you know, twelve points a week man i just i think the catches everything's going to be there it's gonna be 12 points a week on the, on a bad day and you know that it could be up to 20 if he's catching eight balls you know he gets eight balls for 80 yards you're at 16 points maybe he scores you know so you know i think that it's just a great value you know it's a safe pick you know maybe he didn't need to make a safe pick because he has three good receivers already but you know you're putting a high floor guy in your flex. you know maybe you want to go boomer bust but it's all about how you want to make up your team. Honestly, I had on my good picks, I actually had Dobbins, so I will very much disagree because, one, he could have some value, especially mid to late season because, you know, Ingram did, you know, get a little nicked up towards the end of the year. Now, I do think Ingram has a relationship. He's a locker room guy. He is the – he, like, embodies right now the Baltimore offense. So, I, he has some intangibles that are going to carry him through, and they're going to give Dobbins time to let him learn, but obviously they weren't happy with the other guys. And they run the ball so much that even if Ingram keeps his full load, Dobbins could have value, but Jesse also owns Mark Ingram. So I do think that Dobbins is one of those three or four handcuffs that you should have. And I, Dobbins is somebody that is going to have value. You know, Pollard's not sexy. Alexander Madison isn't sexy. They were sexy last year, but now they're not sexy. You know, it's, it's amazing. just because they're not new. So Dobbins is going to have, fair or unfair, you know, a little bit of shine to him. But if I own Mark Ingram, you know, I feel great about that touchdown potential. I do think they may limit some of his carries down, but I don't think that that's where all his true value is. And I think that if I have Ingram, I feel okay with Dobbins. And you know what? Yeah, I have the team that runs the ball the most in the league. If I do get in a bind and you get a good matchup, I think Ingram and Dobbins, you can start both of them. And not feel bad about now. Jesse doesn't need that, so maybe he could have gone receiver. Maybe he could have waited around, but I perfectly okay. Especially because he was the guy that has Ingram. It has, and it, it could be a reach for anybody else, but it more values to that. So I, I, I do think that there is some strategy there, especially when he is completely balanced with three running backs and three receivers at this point, all of which you feel great about you know so i think that he did a really good
1: job of backing up that guy and continuing to build value fair enough and yeah you know, that, that that's a great argument so i'll, I'll leave it at that um I Honestly, I did not realize when I was looking at this. I was just kind of going round by round. I didn't realize he also had Mark Ingram, too. So, you know, props to you for pointing that out to me because, you know, as as you were talking about that and saying, you know, as in back the Mark Ingram, I do agree. Now that I see it, it wasn't that bad of a pick. But as you said, it could be a reach for someone else. So, um as as we go on we're we're going to hit into the eighth round guys but uh we're just going to kind of go through um for the sake of time and going through the next 8 to 14 rounds we're just going to highlight some of the reaches and some of the value plays that we got and I'll kick it off with a couple values that I thought were were pretty solid um i thought uh, believe it or not uh, i thought Alshon in the 12th round was was pretty good value uh going at 12 4 um, you know, he goes to uh, you know, brew at 12.4. And you know, this is uh, to me, uh, a, a, a dart throw. And if Alshon is just uh, miraculously healthy, he can easily return wide receiver two or three value. And here you are getting him in the 12th round. So I, I thought that was a, a pretty solid value pick. Um, round 13, pick 13.7. Um, I thought Ian Thomas by Jesse was a great pick. Jesse had not drafted a tight end to this point, much less a quarterback. He's been stacking running backs and receivers this entire draft. And then he lands Ian Thomas, who is automatically thrusted into a starter role at Carolina with Teddy Bridgewater and DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Um, so to me, he's getting a, a starter who's in his third year, You know, has been, been in the NFL for a little while, Who's right behind Greg Olson, who was a great veteran to learn behind. To me, Ian Thomas could be points for that breakout, and I thought that was a great pick at well, 13 I, But before uh, you go on,
0: I agree everything you just said about Ian Thomas, and realistically, like, he got Ian Thomas where I probably would have taken Ian Thomas ahead of, like, three of the tight ends that went before. And that's one of the big things that I'm going to point out is, like, how the tight ends went, like, I don't necessarily agree with or feel comfortable with and I think Jesse absolutely freaking got a win on that. Like, to draft how he did, and to roll the dice on who you're going to get on the back, like no tight end, no quarterback.
1: Like it definitely worked out. Yeah. I mean, I, I loved it. I thought it worked out great for him. Um, you know, I did see some reaches there. I'll, I'll get into those in a second uh, after you go through your, some of your values. Uh, my last value was, you know, again, you know, talking about, you know, people just waiting following people to him to me. Uh, Boston Scott at 14, two was a great value for point. Um, you know, that was the 57th running back off the board at the time. I've got Boston Scott ranked in my top 35. So to get Boston Scott and, and your 57th rated running back off the board is tremendous value and just goes along with the team that's point with this team that's point built with the value and just the, the running backs that he's got, and the receivers got, he really, to me, I thought had an outstanding draft. Top yeah, no bottom. doubt. Um, I think, you know, as far as, Oh, stop pressing that button. As
0: far as value goes, um, I thought, uh, you know, as I thought Emily getting Darius Slayton come back around to that eighth round. I thought that was one of my favorite picks of that round. And then followed the next round, uh, Crystal taking Tevin Coleman. You know, to me, we've said about these San Francisco guys, I don't know who's going to be better, but to get the other guy two full rounds behind them almost, like I feel really good. Like even if Mostert is the guy, Tevin Coleman is going to have a role. But you know you're paying less equity for him so I really thought that there was a lot of the, to be gained there. And then probably one of the only let me make sure I'm not lying. One of the only two picks that I actually like on Daniel's whole team, um, Marvin Jones uh, to start the tenth round, I think is a really solid pick. You know he I, I just he, he's pr- always underrated. He always performs. Um, I you know Detroit's offense is. Even with Swift, I think Swift only more opens up the offense to being able to sling it a little bit more. So I thought that they got a whole lot of value there. And then there's a whole lot of ugly picks and rookies and upside guys that really just don't make you – you know, it's it's pick your poison. I thought, you know, the guys you pointed out were really good as far as, you know, having those uh, the Alshons and, um, you know, you're finding starters and the Ian Thomas especially. So it, it it's pick your poison. As dark throws at that point. You know, you start looking at handcuffs. You know, I, I thought your Higby pick, honestly, you know, you went and got your guy and if you had gone Ian Thomas there, I don't think you would have been wrong either. So, you know, I thought you and Jesse getting Higby and Ian Thomas and even, you know, Will Disley went before them, you know, and it's just like some gross picks um, and having two guys that, you know, I think have easy tight end one week in and week out upside where you hadn't had one, it's not like you're handcuffing one and you're backing them up. You know, I thought that that was a really good value.
1: Well, thank you. Um, to be honest, when I was uh, taking Tyler Higby, I was debating between him and Ian Thomas. So that there, that just goes to show you where where we kind of are on those two two tight ends. Um, there was a, a I, when you you mentioned Will Disley. Um, to me, that was one of the reaches of, of the entire draft, regardless of it being in the twelfth round or not. I don't even have Will Disley on my fucking top 30 tight ends. Will Disley is competing with Greg Olson and Jacob Hollister and the other tight end that's there. I mean, Will Disley could be, might make this team and here he is coming off another huge injury and he's getting picked 12th. Disley was the 12th tight end off the board in front of Tyler Higbee, Ian Thomas, Dallas Goddard, Mike Jasicki, uh Hayden Hurst, there's other tight ends on the board, and Will Disley's getting taken in round twelve. So to me, I thought that was probably the most uh reach one of the biggest reaches in the well, entire draft. To let's me. put this in um, perspective.
0: The team that Disley's on also includes Antonio Brown, uh Rojo, Golden Tate, Latavius, and Rashad Penny. So Will Disley is just on the island of misfit toys. And we're just going to cut this whole, you know, if Kelsey wasn't on that team, we could just cut this off and maybe the the draft wouldn't change at all. You know, Kelsey's the only skewer of the whole thing. So him and King Henry. But after that, you know, it's like a bunch of number two receivers and people nobody wants anyway. So you always appreciate those people that take the people that you don't want. So you don't even have to, you know, it's just it doesn't hurt
1: you. It's just another it's a value pick for you later. Well, you know, you want to go ahead and hate on Daniel's hand. I'm sorry, Dan. I'm going to hate on you now because, buddy, I thought you had the worst draft of the, of the entire mock draft last night. Um, and, you know, it, it really starts, you know, with, uh, to me, Deshaun Watson, uh, James Conner, who's an injury risk, Ronald Jones at 8-1. Keyshawn Bond's there. Ronald Jones in the eighth round? Uh, no. Uh, I, I did agree with Barbara Jones. I thought that was a great pick. But then you followed up with Will Disley and Rashad Penny, who's coming off another injury. Uh, I, I'm just not sure. Maybe it was – you know, kinda ideal when you see someone who hasn't really looked at fantasy this year and it's kind of the product of the team that's right next to you because uh, by fact I have Spoint Jr. who drafted right next to Daniel at one at, at eleven. I have him with the best team because literally he just sat back and value came after him. He didn't have to worry about Daniel on the on the turn because Daniel was taking, you know, Ronald Jones and James Conner and Deshaun Watson and people that he shouldn't be taking out of order. So you know, Spoink just sat back and took whoever he wanted. And he ends up with Dalvin Cook, Chris gowan DJ Moore, Allen Al Robinson, Mark Andrews, gets Tom Brady in the ninth round um follows it up with Jordan Howard in the 10th round, who, you know, to me right now is the RB1 in Miami. So he's obviously going to return at least probably top 36 value. He gets him in the 10th round. Uh, and then he gets Carson Wentz in uh you know round 13 to back up Tom Brady, which did he really need? Probably not, but the value is there with Carson Wentz who you know has top seven upside for a quarterback. And then you got Boston Scott. So I thought Spoint Jr. had a great draft. Uh to me he had I think the best I team. think
0: the 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 most clever thing about sports team which he is thin on running back. Like, you better hope Boss Scott can pay back. I mean, I know you're high on him, but you better hope he does end up having week in and week out value or Zach Moss, like, does have some touchdown appeal. But pairing Jordan Howard with somebody like DeAndre Swift is, like, fucking brilliant because you can start Jordan Howard week one. You don't have to now start DeAndre Swift. Like, he can go, because of that Edelman pick especially, he can go for receivers with Dalvin Cook and Howard and Howard's going to have some value. He's not going to set the world on fire. Or, because you feel safe, maybe you go out with Swift. But as the weeks go, Swift can get his feet under him. You can see how that, you know, carry's going to go. But, you know, I do think Howard's going to have some, you know, low-end value, and you could pair that with those upside running backs, kind of similar to what I wanted to do with Gurley versus my two rookies that I got. So I do think that was really good by him. Honestly, my worst draft, and it's, it, it kind of always happens, you know, it's, it's one of those brotherly things. I don't even, I don't even go try to pick on him. But like, I literally, my brother makes draft picks, and I'm like, that is a that is that is a Jeff pick. Like, we absolutely look at players different, and he wins, and I win, and it is what it is. But I just, I I didn't like a lot of what he did. I didn't like the Aaron Rodgers pick. I didn't like the Melvin Gordon. I, I'm okay with the Melvin Gordon, but I didn't like the Marlon Mack. And then it got really ugly late. You know, Sammy Watkins, D Westbrook, Jamal Williams, James I mean, James Washington is okay where he got him. You know, I did like the Tua pick, but, you know, it's is he going to set the world on fire immediately? You know, when are you going to ever feel good about starting Tua over Aaron Rodgers? You know, it's just you put yourself in, you know, kind of some lose-lose stuff. And I know you're higher on Jared Cook, but I do think Jared Cook's going to come back down to reality a little bit. So, I, I just, to me, Daniel's low-hanging fruit. I just, whatever. I've, I smashed him in the draft. I smashed him <laughs> in the podcast. I'm not going to hit him anymore. It's done. I just um and I'm trying to trade with him in Dynasty so I don't want to hurt the guy too bad but I just you know it's uh, my brother's team was definitely not my favorite you know there's a couple of others you could kind of pick out you know I thought Chris had a very Chris team definitely some elderly gentlemen you know to make up for my last podcast Chris snaked all the old people so I couldn't get to them um but I thought um So, I think think Jesse did a great job, and I thought Emily did a very good job. I would – honestly, I put Emily ahead of Jesse. The only thing that holds it up for me with Emily is that Noah Fant pick because I – kind of like Ian Thomas more than Noah Fant. And just, you know, and not having that other tight end, I don't – there could be some possibility there. But, you know, when I I line up the teams just next to each other, I think Jesse – absolutely wins this draft if he went dalvin cook instead of joe mixer for me and that's so that may be a difference of opinion if you're a joe mixing guy or maybe Jesse probably you know using sleeper in that first round everybody's getting used to it he might not have saw dalvin cook you know it might be one of those things you, you're not scrolling down you just look you would assume in the first seven picks best available is available but i think if dalvin cooks on that team especially it's the best but I, I really like what he did obviously i like the players that went there and i think You know, he did a good job, too, because when he did go late, right before he went Ian Thomas and Goff at the end to round off his team, he also got Chase Edmonds. So I don't necessarily think you have to handcuff people, but he went heavy on running back in his first four rounds, and he handcuffed both Ingram and Drake, who Edmonds shows that if given the opportunity, he can score some points. And not only does he have the high floor guys with Cooper Cup, OBJ, McLaurin, who any given week can go off, but then he did throw some big darts on Mecole Hardman, second year. You know, is he going to take that next step, push Sammy out the way, Robinson out the way a little bit, and then Jalen Rager and T Higgins. You know, jury's still out on Higgins. I maybe would have gone with a different receiver there um, for some upside. But maybe, you know, even if you go Iuk or, you know, who came back or, you know, or maybe it's Chenault. But Higgins, depending on if A.J. Green's traded, if he plays, whatever – He could pose some immediate upside value. So I really like Jesse's team. Spoink, again, I think is low-hanging fruit. I think we talked about how good he did throughout the whole thing. Um, I'm not as high on the back end of his draft as maybe I was on Jesse's. Uh, You know, having two quarterbacks, having two tight ends. So it's harder to – you know, I'm always going to value more options at running back and wide receiver because, you know, I don't – you know, I took Stafford personally in the last round and I would have taken Stafford over – Almost every quarterback was taken ahead of him. You know, I would have taken him over every quarterback taken in that round. So I'm okay with going quarterback late. Jesse went golf, not have been my choice. You know, I understand the mindset, and ultimately, I'm okay with streaming quarterbacks. You know, once my top guys were gone, I didn't mind it at all. So, but ultimately, I thought you know, uh, you know, everybody did a decent job, and everybody got their people, and that's why you want to play it out.
1: Yeah, um, I had Emily rated number two, so I wasn't very far off there. And I I did think Jesse did a great job. So uh, I definitely enjoyed doing this, and we'll definitely have to do it again. Uh, I know everyone, I hope all the other users enjoyed it. uh, We appreciate you guys uh, participating in this, and hopefully we'll have some more here in the coming months. Uh, But, guys, we appreciate you uh, listening and following uh, this mock draft with us. Again, this is on Twitter at Fantasy Pandemic. Uh, We tweeted it out last night. Uh, you can go check out the draft board. But otherwise than that, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. And, uh, good night, everybody.
0: Remember, knowledge is power, and only the fab is real.